Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. So I'd like to welcome our speaker for this morning, um, Reverend Mrs. Foyeks Alfred. <laughs> Trust me, it's always a joy to have her. Anyway, I'll save the rest. Uh, I'm going to be sharing a lot of things I may not have shared publicly, just to help you and to help someone make the you know connect the dots that are going on in your head, in your mind, and all that. Because we want to see people make a lot of transition. Because that is God's plan. So I'm glad to be here. I'm grateful to God for bringing me here. Um, you know, today is the first of September. I'm delighted to spend the first day of September with you. I don't think it's a coincidence at all. God orchestrated and designed that I be here today. I'm grateful. Pastor Freddy, thank you so much. I'm excited about what the Lord is doing through you, in you, for you, and for, you know, all the people that you pastor. This is, you know, a great initiative, the Wealth College, and um, um, I encourage everyone watching online, sitting physically, get involved, because this is what God is saying now, especially for you know, where we are as a nation, where we are as a people, where we are as God's people, very, very crucial, very, very critical. And uh, I'm glad to be here. I've done um, employment consulting for maybe almost two decades. I'm currently doing, if I, I was up, I've been up since 1 a.m. I'm working on my, I'm doing a PhD project. And um, what my PhD thesis all is on, maybe a little bit of what you're doing. So, was studying how, um, you know, the connection between educational system and how we is it um, how does it pro does it help to produce entrepreneurs or not? And if not, what are the issues wrong? And so you have to deal with lots of unemployment figures and all that. So, but this is you know great, 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 and I'm glad. So I'm here with um, very special people. Okay, let's just share one prayer. Father, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Words are never enough to say thank you. We're grateful for all that you've done in our lives, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the Wealth College. Thank you for Pastor Freddy. Thank you for everyone under this commission, oh Lord. I ask that you take them from point A to point B, Lord. I ask, oh God, that you help them fulfill the mandate that you have for them in the name of Jesus. I ask, oh Lord, that you open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, open our hearts to understand beyond the natural. In the name of Jesus, Spirit of the Living God, if you do not speak, there's nothing I can say. As that you wear me as a garment, I ask that you speak the mind of the Father, not my mind, not my thoughts, not my plan, not my agenda, but only what is in the heart of the Father to communicate to His very people. Thank you, as I yield completely to you. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Hallelujah. We trust God this morning, first of all, for illumination. Critical because when God made the heaven and earth, the very first thing that he did was um, light. And if you study the book of Genesis chapter 1, it wasn't talking about light, sun, and moon. Because you know, further down, he did create sun and moon. So what was the light that came? Illumination. That's the first thing that you need when you're working with God. Light to flood your understanding, flood your mind, and all of that. And that light is Jesus Christ. So the Bible tells us in the John chapter 1 that um, Jesus was a light and the darkness could not comprehend him. So in other words, ignorant. Anything that is dark 
could not comprehend Jesus. So the first thing we're trusting God for is illumination. Not just the one your physical eyes and ears and all that, but the illumination of the heart. So I'm trusting God that you have the, oh my goodness, oh God, how come I have not thought about this before and all of that? It will happen. It needs to happen because that is where transition actually takes place. And the next step after that is action. We've heard a lot of things. And um, if you ask me the last word, I would say is do, do, do. Stop hearing. Do, 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 do. And if you know anything about God, he won't give you a next instruction unless you at least obey the last one that he told you. Amen. So today I want to spend a little bit of time talking to you about the equation of wealth. I was sitting and doing a lot of standing. I spoke to Pastor Freddie this morning about, you know, a, a, a board. So we're going to talk about um, the equation of wealth. And um, for when, what, when we talk about equation, what does that mean? So I'm going to stand and use the board. Okay, this works, right? So what is an equation? An equation means um, something that equates to another thing. Now, in English, language, you don't define words like that. You don't use one word to define another. So, equation means something that you need to, something that adds up or equals to or values something else. So, in other words, this is an equation. If I say one plus one is equal to two, this is an equation. Why is it an equation? Because this is exactly the same as this. So, in other words, the equation of wealth means this is wealth. You understand? So, what do we need to put together? To generate this. If you understand what you need to put together, you no, know, usually they'll call it X. So we're going to find out what is in this X box. And many times it's more than one factor. As you can see in my first equation, one plus one is equal to one, is equal to two. This is my first equation. So which means in the equation of wealth, it's not just one ingredient. We're going to have more than one ingredient. Now, if you don't understand the ingredients that create wealth, you're going to struggle a lot. If you understand only one of the ingredients that creates wealth, you're also going to struggle a lot. And it's important that I say early that wealth is relative. Wealth is not just about the cash that you have. Wealth has to do with a whole lot. Well-being. But the first wealth is spiritual wealth. Because I realized that Jesus in Luke chapter 12 was telling a rich man. Uh, in fact, the Bible calls him a rich fool. He said to him... Um, you know, that fool, today your soul will be required of you because the man had done well. He had built barns and he had done so well and then he was even planning to expand his business empire. But Jesus looked at him and called him a fool. Why? He said, when you are not rich towards God, you are poor, no matter how much money you have. So wealth goes beyond the cash that you have in the bank. Wealth goes beyond the money that you have. Wealth goes beyond the clothes that you have. Wealth talks about your work with God, being rich in God. That is the first place, but that is not the bus stop. Because if you are rich in God, it opens you up to other dimensions of wealth that brings to what is called total wealth. Do we understand that? So we're going to look at what are the things in this X and how many they are. So I like to title this Equation of Wealth Part 1. Because I'm only going to, because of time, be able to deal with just one of the, one of the indices that creates wealth. And I'm going to pick with the one that is very critical, very crucial, very controversial, very essential. As a matter of fact, you cannot have sustained wealth if you do not have this particular ingredient we're going to discuss this morning. What is that ingredient? It is uh, one of the um, equation, one of the indices here is called wisdom. If you don't have this, hmm, you're not going to have sustained wealth. 
You might have wealth for today, maybe tomorrow, but you will not have sustained wealth. Let's look at, let's take a case study of Nigerian businesses. Or men. Now I want you to please kindly raise your hand and tell me any company that has passed the first generation. First generation. It's a hundred years. It's it's not an individual. Somebody started it that has passed the first generation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See how difficult it is. But let's push it beyond our boundary. All over the world, anywhere in Nigeria, anywhere in the world, you can count Rockefeller. You can count to a thousand and one businesses that are beyond the first generation. Here we start with. The, okay, let me ask you a more direct question. Somebody mentioned Dangote, right? Okay, who Dangote's father? Anybody know? Okay, let me ask the second question. Who is Dangote's son? Anybody know? So you see that he has no history. He probably has no succession. It's just that line. And I think from what I'm told, he has to interview you personally or something like that before you get a job. Now, I respect and honor all that he's doing. I mean, this is absolutely great. But what that already tells me is that the day we look for him and the silver cord is broken. I don't know. I'm not a prophet and I'm, I'm not at liberty to say what will happen. But you don't need to be a rocket scientist to already know the end from the beginning. Let's pull another one. MK Wabiola. I'm pulling the richest, richest ones in there. MK Wabiola, who is his father? Who is his son? As in, okay, so. <laughs> as in, who is scholar? Mm -hmm. But you get the point. We do not have sustained wealth. But we do have people with a lot of money. We do have people with wealth, even well-being. Let's even talk about all the dimensions of wealth, even in ministry. I don't know how many people are third. I, I think there's one, one or two generation ministers, but there are very few. I'm always glad when I see sons of pastors becoming pastors on their own. I saw a pastor of Waleoke's son. I think he has a ministry or something. I've seen a few, Idahosa's son, Febi Idahosa, a couple of them. So that's great. We're transitioning from first generation to second generation. So which means whatever it is that you're doing, whatever it is that you're planning, think beyond you, look beyond you. God did not plan for you to start, you know, to live forever, but he planned that you do something that will. Whatever enterprise you're building, whatever it is you're doing, he's planning that it lives beyond you. If, because if you study somebody I'm going to introduce to you, and I think you should sit down and study that character, his name is Daniel. 4,000 years later, we're here discussing Daniel. Because he did something that lived after him. Daniel and his four friends and his three friends. Daniel, I'll jump quickly and mention to you why I'm intrigued by Daniel. Daniel um, is somebody who did very well in his relationship with God. In the book of Daniel, we're not told that anybody excelled uh, more spiritually than Daniel. 
Daniel is somebody who stood and kings after kings after kings came about their knees to the God of Daniel. He was the one that fulfilled that prophecy when the Bible says that um, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. Daniel experienced it, yet he never had a pulpit. At the same time, Daniel did excellently well in his business and his work with God. He became a prime minister. Note that this Daniel we're talking about entered Babylon a slave naked, he left a prime minister. Note also, Daniel was in captivity. Bible didn't tell us, but Bible scholars say he was picked up anywhere from between the age of 11 to 15. So this is an 11 year old boy who grew up in wealth and all of that. Taken into captivity but there was something operating in the life of Daniel that did not allow him to remain a slave forever. Daniel that thing that rested upon Daniel, it, it abounds chains. You may put a chain on his hand, it's just for a while, it's a training process. You may put him in a jekulli, it's just for a while, it's a training process. You might even dispossess him of his job because when Daniel came into his in was named um, Babylon, they took his name, they took everything from him. They even tried to remove the knowledge of God from his brain. And, but they couldn't remove his relationship with God. And he stood up until the end. So he built, why I mentioned him quickly, but he built something that lived beyond him. So we're talking about having sustained wealth. And once you start doing sustained wealth, then God backs you up. Because anything that God is doing with you is not supposed to stand and end with you. It's supposed to begin with you, but never end with you. God started to work with David, but he told David, your son will build me a house not you. So what God started with David, up to today he's still doing that same, uh, that same job. So look at all the things he started with men. You will see God back up in Look at what Jesus did. He said, go and reach the whole world. What did Jesus do? Did he go about preaching everywhere? No, no, no. He just sat down and had a sustainability plan. What did he do? Invest in 12 men. So you see that even though the journey started with Jesus, Jesus did not plan like it to end with him. What if Jesus had behaved like most Nigerians? No plan for sustainability. What if Jesus had like you and I? That is the day he dies. That's the end. Because he's the only one. In his ministry, he began to say, Go heal the sick, cast out devil, raise the leper, do all that. He gave them his authority, gave them everything. Some of us are too, I, I don't even know the adjective, to share everything we know with someone else. Something has worked for you, but you don't want to tell people the secret, give them the superficial. You don't want to open up the secret and the tools to the next person. You know, if you're destined for greatness, nothing can take it away. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Let there be one million competition, it will still not take away your place. So, we're talking about sustainable wealth. And I said, one of the equations in this is called wisdom. Now, why is this very critical? Why did I pick to discuss this in the Xbox? It is because of the fact that there are three kinds of wisdom. And if you are not careful you'll be operating the wrong one. So we're going to read the scripture and I'm going to point out the three kinds of wisdom. Now, a lot of people in the body of Christ, are, for, are, they, are, they, are they are running their lives or running their businesses or running their marriage or running their ministry on the wrong kind of wisdom fuel. Because fuel is something that runs your life. How do I know? Everything in life, think about it, is a wisdom problem. Just think about it. What problem do you have now? I don't know what the problem is. But it is a, it, if you trace it, it is a wisdom problem. Once you solve the wisdom aspect, okay, you're looking for a husband. 
is a wisdom problem. It means there's something you need to know. So your life runs on the fuel of wisdom. Just like you have cars that run on petrol, you have cars that run on diesel. So what if you take a car that's supposed to run on fuel and put diesel? Will that car function? But that's how many lives are running on the wrong kind of wisdom field. So it's critical that we look at the three kinds of wisdom. So we're going to look at, uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians 2, 4. Maybe 4 to 7, 4 to 8, there about. Do I have someone that has a strong, powerful voice? That will read for us. Anyway, okay, you don't have a strong, powerful voice. Have a nice voice, read. First Corinthians 2, maybe we can start from 4 to that. So when we start to stop, I let you know what identify the, the three kinds of wisdom fields that there are. First of all, while you're looking at it, I'll do a summary again. I said that we're discussing the equation of wealth. I explained to you what an equation is. It means two things that have the same value. So we've said one plus one is a value. It is the same with two. So when we're dealing with the equation of wealth, what we're trying to say is what are those things that are exactly like wealth? So once you put those things together, it equals the same thing as wealth. And I said there are so many ingredients. That's why I titled it um, Equation of Wealth Part 1. The first one I'm dealing with is wisdom. And I said that there are three kinds of wisdom fuel your life will run on. So can you read? My teaching and my speaking the not wise words that Okay, I would have preferred if we start with KJV, then we can read other ones just to help out. Okay, this, well, this is what we're going to do, is projected. Okay, see what we're going to do. When you identify what kind of wisdom, lift your hand and let me know what is, I write it down, right? Okay, go. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Man's wisdom. So we identify the first kind, man's wisdom. Mm -hmm. But in demonstration of the spirits and the power, mm -hmm. that your faith should not stand in Jesus' name, mm -hmm. but in the power of God. Mm -hmm. How we need to speak wisdom among them that are not perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world. Then which wisdom is he saying we speak wisdom to them that are mature? God's wisdom. So we've identified from that scripture three kinds of wisdom. Are we on the same page? So there are three kinds of wisdom. If you are careful, you run on the wrong wisdom field. And it, there's a thin line between a lot of them. But I'm going to draw a line between one and two. And I'll tell you how to get man's wisdom. I'll tell you how to get satanic wisdom. And I'll tell you how to get God's wisdom. God's wisdom is exclusive. It is not available for everyone. This is this one thing that God has reserved for his children. There are things that God reserved only for his children. An unbeliever cannot have access to certain things. Cannot. One of the things that an unbeliever can never have access to is the wisdom of God. If she had read further, you will see he doesn't even release it to children. Because from what she's reading, the Bible says, we speak wisdom among them that are mature. So if you're not growing in God, then this God's wisdom will be kept from you. It's clear. He said, we speak wisdom among them that are mature. There are certain things, there are certain experiences that God reserved number one for his children, part one. There are also certain experiences that God reserves only for mature Christians. 
That is why growing as a child of God is essential. If you read your Bible in Galatians, the Bible talked about, he said, I think she read it when she was praying, that an heir will continue to be under the element until under bondage and under, until he grows. So many things you will never have unless you grow. There's not something God won't give you because you've not grown, you've not matured. And there's a time God allows you to be a child. But Paul said, once, I, there was a time I spoke as a child. I acted as a child. I thought like a child. But the time comes when you need to put away childish things. In other words, there's a way children think. But there's a way mature Christians think. How do I know you're mature? If you read further, you will see. One time Paul was saying, um, I am for Apollos, I am for Paul. What's that strife and envy in you? You're a child, even though you're 100 years old in the Lord. You know, maturity of, as, as Christians doesn't have to do with your age. You can be 50 years in the Lord, but you're a child, you're a baby. When you still quarrel, you strive, there's envy. Why should one always did in prayer? And you know, the other day she prayed, uh, Pastor Freddy clapped for her, and when I prayed, nobody said anything to me. Those things are going on in your heart. Nobody sees it, but the Bible says that you are a child. And the Bible says you won't have access to this. It says we speak wisdom among them that are what? Perfect. Another word for perfection is what? Maturity. If you remain a child when you are meant to grow, you will ask for this wisdom for the rest of your life. You will not have access to it. There are many things that you don't get by prayer. I'll tell you one of them. One of the things you won't get by prayer. You know, I, I just said it today. I, I just came for one service. You know, we keep asking God for an excellent spirit. Mm. You know, almost every Christian and I, what time on them that ask God for an excellent spirit? Why don't they get it? It doesn't come by prayer. I'll tell you how it comes by. Daniel, when he got into Babylon, he said, he made up his mind not to defile himself with the meat that came from the king's table. Then apart from making up his mind not to defile himself, one more thing, he now stayed in seclusion. He told the king of the Enoch, and he told him, he said, um, king of Enoch, you've given this people three years to eat this food and become fat, but give us ten days and feed us only on vegetables and all that. And they did that fast for ten days. In ten days, their prayers was better. But the Bible says after that sentence that Daniel, God gave Daniel an excellent spirit. After what had happened, did you hear that after he had prayed and began to disturb God for an excellent spirit? No, it's a bad product of saying, I will not defile myself. I will not get entangled in the world. You cannot be getting yourself entangled with the world, living carelessly, and at the same time, you are going to God to say, God, give me your wisdom, God, give me your excellent spirit. You're not serious. Hard, but true. That's why I always prefer you read from the scripture. Read from the Bible. In academic terms, you can't just write any sentence you like. You always quote everything you're writing. The same thing too in scripture. You can't just wake up and begin to say what you like. You always have to have your basis in the scripture. So, there is man's wisdom. If you don't understand this part, you're going to have problems in wealth creation. Because there are many good ideas. But there are lots of sensual wisdom going around. Christians are applying it and calling it wisdom. Meanwhile, let me tell you what it is. It is crime and corruption and illegality. Example, somebody called my daughter and said, oh, then we noticed some figures somewhere and we want to quickly change you to help the person. That I know this is a good student, but let's just help the person. It sounds like, okay, just to help the person, but that's criminality. There are many things you're doing. You're cutting corners. You're saying it doesn't really matter. After all, God knows what's in my heart. Meanwhile, you're doing the wrong thing. What are you applying? 
Is it that man? I'll tell you what is man's wisdom. Is it that satanic wisdom or man's wisdom? And when you get involved in this, you are dining with Satan. Just like the example he gave of the Illuminati guy. You cannot come to that place and not dine with Satan. So ask yourself, what wisdom is my life running on? There is a wisdom that says, oh, when you get up in the morning, there is no time. Don't pray. Run out and go and do your business. It's satanic wisdom. When you build, you know how there's a good idea. You don't go to God to ask him questions. You want to start a business. Somebody gives you an idea. You just start. Oh, wonderful idea. Even if you think you heard from God. I noticed something about Daniel. He had the gift of interpretation of dreams. But when the king came and said, interpret this dream, the Bible said he still went to ask God. Look at all the prophets. Look at all of them. They will see a vision. Uh, what's his name now? Um, the horns. What was that guy that saw the horns? Zachari Zachariah. He, he said, I saw four horns. What would you and I do when we see four horns? We already know the meaning. But he stopped. He said, Lord, what be this? That you saw doesn't mean you understand. This man still went back to God and said, Lord, what is this? what the meaning is. That you have a vision of the night does not automatically mean you know the interpretation, you know the meaning. You have to stop and ask God. If you run up on your own without coming to say Lord, this sounds good, but Lord, do you, I go ahead. And also note timing. God has time for you for everything. It might not be the same time for me. God has a way he had designed that I walk. He said, run the race that is set before you. The race before me might not be your race. So you go to God and say, Lord, what is that race? What am I supposed to do? So there's a lot of taking off on our own, doing what the world is doing. But God said, there is a wisdom for my people. I want to tell you why God's wisdom is critical. See, man's wisdom, how do you get this? School, books, study. It's in the intellect. Your five senses are in operation. What are your five senses? What you can see, what you can hear, all those things. Every education that the average man or everybody has gotten is from these five senses. Right? So you have your eyes. You make judgments based on what your eye can see, just like Lot. He saw the lush greens. And Abraham, being a man of the spirit, stopped and said, I'm not going to take a decision based on what my eyes can see. I'm going to stop and I'm going to ask God. Lord just looked at it. Wonderful business idea. Great place to start a business. Good idea. Let's launch. He was operating by the five senses. But let me tell you, you have five physical senses. Do you realize that you have five spiritual senses? There's a spiritual sense of, sense of sight. There's a spiritual sense of hearing. There's a spiritual sense of smell. There's a spiritual sense of taste. He said, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's talking about this tongue. And when you're talking about spiritual sense of taste, it's an experience. Let me, let me tell you what that, that, that means a little bit. Daniel, what kept an 11-year-old boy in Babylon and he refused to sing? He had experienced God in Israel. There's a kind of encounter you will have with God. You know that God is real. Even if they put a bullet at your head, that girl in Boko Haram camp, she has experienced it. No normal person who has not activated the, the sense of taste can go and look Boko Haram and say, I will not defy myself. 
There's something that girl had. There's an encounter that 16 year old girl had. Other Christians were there. They said, yes, you know, because I saw a lot of Christians say the girl is very stupid. She should have denounced Christianity and come out to repent. What is that satanic wisdom? It makes sense to your mind. It makes sense even to your eyes. But it would react in your spirit, man. That lady has activated her sense of, you know many people, a Christian have never tasted the Lord. They never had an experience of God. That's why it's easy to backslide. That's why it's easy to cheat on God very easily. Many people in the body of Christ are not born again. Until you experience him, you can't walk with him. It's impossible to walk with him. Because, you know, we serve a God that didn't die like Muhammad and the rest of these people. We serve a God that is alive and appears to his people, speaks to his people. So if you have never experienced it, so that's what the Bible says, come to me, men who have eyes, but they cannot see. Men who have ears, but they cannot hear. How come two disciples of Jesus, they were walking on the road to Emerson. I actually stand up, check Google map. Um, distance between Emmaus and Jerusalem, they said seven hours. So excuse me, we're a disciple of Jesus. Hmm? And then you have two, seven hours uninterrupted conversation with Jesus. The Bible noted they were disciples. You walk with Jesus for seven hours and you don't know that it's Jesus. They were blind. They could see him, but only with the physical eyes. There's an ear that you hear my voice. This one. But there's another inside ear that you hear the voice of God. You do not hear the voice of God with your physical ear. You can only hear the pastor's voice. You can only hear English language. But the voice of God can only be heard by the inner ear. That's the one that Samuel heard. When he was he heard somebody call him. He said, get up. So he thought it was this ear in oppression. Those men walked with Jesus for seven hours. And he was preaching. And their hearts were even burning within them. Yet, because I'm sure when Jesus was with them physically, as he spoke, their hearts were burning. So even that normal sensation of, this is how I feel when God is talking. Now I'll tell you something. I was speaking somewhere in an NYC company in Badon. They invited me to give a talk. A lady came to speak before me. She was the one that introduced me. She was in hijab, head to the wearing socks. She began to talk. Mentioned Jesus. She didn't say anything. She was talking to the coppers about the need to be serious. About the need not to go anywhere because the copper had just died the night before, something like that. The woman was talking. I turned to the lady beside me and said, I don't know what it is about this woman. She's not a Muslim. He said, No, ah, her name is actually somebody, somebody, somebody. I see how she's dressed. I said, I see with my eyes a Muslim. But I hear with my spirit, this one does not belong to Satan. The presence of God is here. Everyone is loaded with power. Because when I see God's people talk, when the Holy Ghost talks, it doesn't matter which vessel, I recognize the voice. How come these men walk with Jesus, they could not recognize the voice? After she has spoken and spoken, when I sat, I was confused throughout. I said, but Lord, every word is dripping with power. But she's wearing a hijab, she's clothed in Muslim attire. And towards the end, she made a kingdom statement. She said, I've got you. I've got you. We are the same. 
And that day the Lord said, there are many Egyptians dressed in, sorry, there are many Israelites dressed in Egyptian clothing. He said, when those people saw Moses, he thought he was an Egyptian, but he dressed like an Egyptian. That man had possibly given her heart to the Lord, but could not properly come out at that moment. Because you know we grow in these things. So it's not about what your physical eye. There's a spiritual sense of smell, of sight. When Jesus rebuked them in Revelation 3, he said, you are blind. His church, Laodicean church, remember, he said, you realize you're naked. You know how you look in the spiritual is not how you look in the physical. Some of us in the spiritual are completely naked. In the physical, we are clothed with gold and jewels and diamonds. You know, unbelievers in the realm of the spirit, they are naked. They are totally and completely naked. How do I know? Jesus said to his church, if his own people can be spiritually naked, what do you think should happen to unbelievers? He told the the, the, the Laodicean church, he said, welcome. He told the Laodicean church, he said, you are what? Naked. Wretched. Meanwhile, these are people who physically have clothes on. He said, but you are wretched, you are naked, you are poor, but they had money. He said, you are blind, but they could see their eyes. He was talking about this other sense of sight. So, man's wisdom, where do you get it from? Five senses. University education, all that. It gives you man's wisdom. Also, experience gives you man's wisdom. All that. It gives you, it tells you, ah, I don't know anybody in MTN, no, and I want to work in MTN, but I need to know somebody in MTN. Man's wisdom. What God's wisdom says, <laughs> I don't know anybody in MTN, but I know a God that created MTN. Man's wisdom says, okay, Daniel, nobody should bow down or pray for the next 30 days, which is what they told that lady here. It's only for 30 days, don't pray. Man's wisdom says it's only 30 days, God will understand, and you won't pray. God's wisdom says, go to your upstairs bedroom as usual, open the window, kneel on the floor as usual. Who is able to change situations? That is God's wisdom. Now, I said this man's wisdom, education, blah blah blah, is good. I'll tell you the limitation of man's wisdom. Satanic wisdom is going from all sorts. Now, they've packaged it very well in social media. The Kardashians and their family, all those crazy people, they are selling satanic wisdom. That is what they are there to do. That is what they are there to project. That is all they, they paint that picture of. Oh, this our life is so wonderful. Go and see how many of them are dying of depression. Go and see the loneliness and the pain and the meaningless of this entire life. Where they, they bought everything and nothing makes sense. They have the private jet, they do everything and nothing makes sense. But what are they told to do? Publicly project satanic wisdom. Let the church and the world buy it. That's what they're doing. Now, let's come to God's wisdom. I'll tell you how to tap into God's wisdom. She prayed it. We're going to look at it and see the portion in somebody's life. And then I'll tell you why. It is you need, even if you have this. If you don't have God's wisdom, you're going to have a problem with sustained wealth. God's wisdom. There's a difference between man's wisdom wisdom. What is man's wisdom in money? Have one million. And God tells you that one million. There's a project Pastor Freddy wants to do. Go and give it. 
God's wisdom. Man's wisdom says, Pastor Freddy said, the one I gave him last week is not accounted for it. Every day they're always begging for money in this church. That's their business, not giving. What is that? Man's wisdom. I can give you one million examples. You know, when you're in that point, should I do right or wrong? The world thinks I should do right. I should do this. What is that? Man's wisdom. He always leads to destruction. But I want to spend some time talking about this one. God's wisdom. The Bible says it is available. In fact, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 2 where the Bible talks about in Christ is hidden all the knowledge and wisdom of God. Wisdom again, hidden, hidden, hidden. For you to find something that is hidden, you need to search for it. You need to dig deep. Many of us are not willing to pay the price to dig deep. But see something about God's wisdom. You can't find it unless you are a man of the word and a man of prayer. It's available to those two men. A man of prayer, a man of the word. In this place, you're going to tap into what is called the seven spirits of God. If we project the book of Daniel chapter 1, I'll show you. And when you identify anyone, you point it out. Now, why is this very important to us, God's wisdom? There's something called the skill shift. You may or may not understand what I'm talking about, but I'm going to tell you. There's something called dinosaur jobs. There's something called dinosaur career. What is a dinosaur? Something that is going extinct anytime from now. And uh, we have been at the skill shift era, which opens a great door and a great opportunity for anybody that will understand the skill shift, what is going on right now. Like I told you, I've worked with unemployment issues for decades now. The unemployment figures, but I was up on Apple Step, I've been up since 1 a.m. I was looking at this employment statistics and all of that. The figures are bad, and they're not getting any better. Usually when I deal with unemployability, and you know when you go to school, campus, everybody's making noise, I just ignore them. My first slide is usually to show you the pie chart of unemployability. This is the person that are unemployed. Now I want you to understand something. Even if you say you want to start business, three out of every five businesses fail within the first one year. Statistics. And I'm even saying, and this is even, this, this, what I just told you now is 2015 statistics. Because if I tell you what for 2018, your heart cannot carry you faint. So let's deal with 2015. Three out of every five businesses collapse within the first one year. That is why you need something else. Let me talk to you about the skill shift. Then we're going to read chapter what is the skill shift. I put it this way. Many people are going to school to study careers or courses that will be extinct by the time they graduate. The piece, this world has changed. If you look in the past 10 years, the world has so changed, it will tell you the amount of change coming in the next 20 years. Many of the skills you have are already obsolete. As I'm talking to you now, she prayed about capacity. The capacity that you have built between your, your university and now, I'm talking to you, right? You're obsolete. The skills, the quality they were employing before, the, the things they look out for in employing at the end of a company before, it's not what they're looking for anymore now. The skills that are relevant in the workplace has changed. The skills needed to thrive in business has changed. I'll give you a common example. 
As I'm talking to you now, how many of you, okay, let's even pull the more general one. Facebook, three years ago, was the most popular social media, isn't it? Which one is it? Is everybody on now? See the point. Is this second like now? In fact, Facebook is for people that don't know what they are doing. Do you understand? Newcomers. Stupid newcomers, sorry. But in another two, three years is far. In another three, six months, eight months, another social media, whatever, is coming up. It will make Instagram look like child's play. It's called the skill shift. Many of you are dinosaurs, even as your youth. <laughs> you can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless.